Hi, I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAP Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. In this podcast, I chat with Paul Crane regarding leadership, building culture, adding value to an existing client situation. Well worth listening to. Welcome to another GAF podcast. My name's Scott Fitzpatrick. Here with my good friend, Paul Crane. So listen, we've got a good one today. What we're going to talk about is wealth management in action and how we start to use these frameworks with clients. And what I want to do is I want to set the scene. And, and the thing I suppose I want people or advisors listening out there, I want you to think about where do you cap out? What's your existing skill set? You know, what are you looking for when you first meet a new client? And where, where do you cap out as we go through this exercise? So bear with me while I set the scene. I was introduced to a successful business client from an accounting firm. And let's call the client Pete. And Pete's got an existing business and the brief was he's having trouble with some of his family members in the business. Now, what do you think a normal advisor would say at this point, Paul? We get a bit nervous and may probably not ask any more questions after that or refer someone else in potentially. Yeah. Now, typically when an advisor, you know, when we get a brief from an accountant, we want to know, well, how many, you know, the old school way of thinking, how much funds under management, uh, you know, what are the financial planning issues where we can add value there as a start point. Yeah. And, you know, some, some advisors already fixed their fee or think what their fee would be with that particular client before they even meet them. It's a bit harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. I think we've all been there. Anyway, when I met with the client, I had the discussion about, oh, well, are you a family in business or a business family? And the distinction being a family in business, everybody gets a job. Whereas a business family, it's around suitability and you know, with, with strong business goals uh, with the family wealth included. So I helped the client get a little bit clearer around that and that was a bit of an aha moment. And then we spent a lot of time on where you're trying to take the business to. I suppose my point was here, one, I needed for the client to unload everything uh, about his anxieties, fears, frustrations with family in the business. And typically, and as an advisor, I would have liked to have jumped in and try and solve the puzzle there somewhere. So just using a couple of the skill sets that you and, and Brian Fitz have taught me over the years has helped me you know, maintain the tension there. Uh, that led us to the piece where we can start to have the chat about, well, do you think we need to start to build an advisory board around your business? Now, with the, with the new headspace for the client, the client thought that was a great idea. And so my role now was to start to look at the skill sets needed around and to build an advisory board for him. So as an advisor out there listening to this, I want you to think, well, could I do that? And you know, would I cap out here? Or how would I do that? And how would I charge for that? And what are the skill sets I need around this business to give it the best chance of success? We're now down the track and we've uh, put a good governance framework in place. We've had the advisory board working and we've now sorted out the client's personal affairs in terms of wills, estate, insurances, investments, etc. 
and which has also led us to the concept of family constitutions, the 100-year plan for the family, how we look after these assets in perpetuity for not only his children, but the children of, you know, grandchildren to come through. So once again, for advisors that start to think, well, whoa, have I got my head around these family constitutions? Do I need to look further at that? Where would I cap out here? And how would I charge for that? And that's brought us back to the, the business now. The business is in a really healthy position. It's got a three-year pipeline and there's pressure on staffing, there's pressure on salaries. And this whole concept of culture and leadership and how do we keep this together starts to pop up. And for me, that's when I need to bring in Paul Crane. Welcome, Paul Crane, again. Oh, it's good to be here again. <laughs> well, let's run us through that conversation that we have with the business owner, with me bringing you in. Where does that start and where does it finish? Yeah, look, I think it's, it's like every conversation, sort of helping understand what the business, you know, where it's been and where it's, where it's at and listening to the owner. And, and, and some of the frameworks that a lot of the advisors do know um, are really useful. So, um, you know, I know you've taken through context content, but, you know, I often say to business owners, I'll help, help you get out of content into context. And some of those context pieces are things like what is your culture and what is your purpose? Uh, you're clear on your brand, your positioning, expectations, all those sorts of conversations. And then just listening to them, um, the Stadius model is a really good one to kind of explain. So I work with a lot of businesses that have had a lot of growth. So uh, I work with the Strata business. You know, I've gone from 150 staff to 360 staff over two or three years. So enormous growth. And with that growth, people's roles change. So people who have been Strata managers are now branch managers or line managers. And their role changes. So that's, you know, the stages of what's going from good times to payback is a promotion. And in, the, in that promotion, they've been promoted because they're good at technically doing their job. They're a really good strata manager and probably better than people that are working with them. So they find it very difficult, one, to not micromanage. And secondly, the roles change from being technically to now a leadership role. And so I explained, and we, we touched on the difference between leadership and management. I love the way you tell that story to the client. And the client gets to sit there and perturbate and think about their business while you're telling the story and go, oh, that's me. Yeah, and it's because they're successful and they had growth. So that startup has got 35 people who are all in that, on the stages model, that's frustrated, stressed, second brick wall, who are really struggling with a whole new skill set that um, they've miraculously just grabbed. No one's actually mentored or coached or trained them. So I explained the difference between management and leadership. Management is about implementing, which is you know, following procedures and instructing people and giving work out and uh, you know, KPIs and all the, the, the business side of things, which is important. So you know, you've still got to manage. The leadership side is, is around, you know, context is inspiring people. You know, they're clear on where we're going. They're clear on what our purpose and culture is all about. Uh, am I developing and building those relationships with those people and helping them see that, that they can do more than they, they, they could without that support? And I think there's a great Simon Sinek, uh, he's finished his book, um, Leaders Eat Last, which is a great read. He talks about a lot of business owners and people talk about how do we get the most out of our people? They're all just like a resource. How can we squeeze every, every last, every last bit, bit of out blood of them. and sweat? And, 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 and the different concept, and it may be a different context, is you know, how can I create the environment for the people that 
work with me, not for me, with me, to be at their best. Because if people are at their best, they feel supported, they feel trusted, they feel empowered, um, they're going to they're gonna go out of their way to, to be fantastic team members. And, and that's a real mindset shift. Oh, it's a, a beautiful paradigm shift, isn't it? It is. And it doesn't mean, you know, not critiquing them and giving them feedback, but it's doing it from an acknowledgement point of view, not judgment. So, you know, I, I'm kind of using this extreme example, you know, leaders who can you know, say, I've got an open door policy. You know, I've got the doors always open. Anyone can talk to me. I'm going, oh, I wonder no why one's no one's coming, coming in. <laughs> so, which then leads into kind of, the difference between management and leadership, they're both important, but it's an end. You spend, you know, when I talk to people, they go, oh my God, I spend all my time managing. I went, you know, that's, how do you think your, your team feel? Yeah, yeah, they probably feel disconnected. And, and you can't just lead, you've got to manage unless you've got a massive business. But um, So that was a great story, that one. It allowed the client to see themselves, but, and you would see this, as I do, there's a lot of business owners, you start off small, you start off by yourself. And yep. you get your next person and your next one, and you're counting every dollar. Yes. And you know you can be sitting here and you know with a hundred staff or two hundred staff, and you still the temptation is to want to control everything because yeah. of the fear of I'm still not successful yet. Yes, and it's often a good intent. And again, you know that, that business with three hundred odd staff, um, one of the, the principles of the business. Um, I remember explaining Red, Blue, Black when I first met him, and he just went, "Oh my god." <laughs> And they're doing mergers and acquisitions and, and, and he still gets caught up in red and it's because he has you know, helped them be successful looking at the invoicing and costs and everything like that. So, you know, I say to people when they're in that frustration, stress, second brick wall phase, the two hardest things for humans to do, which is going to help you get through that wall, is change and letting go. So I often say to people, when do most people do something about their health? when they're sick and yep. sometimes they don't change yep. or their finances and relationships. So it's either desperation or inspiration, So, which is why leadership's critical. You inspire people to want to change. And some of the things they may have to change is their mindset. They might have to change some of their beliefs. They may have to change some of the people in their team, their clients. They may have to let go and learn to delegate and not doing themselves. There's well, a whole heap of stuff around that. But I think it's even an eye-opener, just the language, to go, you're changing your language from being an owner to now being a leader. Yes. A lot yeah, of people even, even the word owner is, you know, you, you, know, you work for me. I go, that language, if I'm a staff member, I hear you work for me. It's kind of not, it doesn't fill me with joy coming to work. Rather than we work together. We're all important. It's that high status. You know, we're all equal. Uh, we all got our roles to play. And, um, and that's, that's, language has an impact. But it's only part of it. And, um, and then, then we talk about that creative difference between a, a reactive culture and a creative culture. And that's, that's an eye-opener for a lot of people. Let's talk about that. How does that work? Well, every moment, every minute of the day, there's a choice. And it's kind of that line. Some of people may have heard the, you know, the bubble line, below the line. I prefer the creative reactive. It sounds a little bit more, more, more inspiring. Um, but a lot of people are reactive, which means as leaders, they're reactive. So... Uh, and this you know, emotional intelligence, some of the stuff Brian's talking about comes into here. Most people, you know, someone upsets them, they react. So they react to the energy rather than emotions and energy is data, not a directive. It's a great quote from uh, Susan David who wrote Emotional Agility. It's there to tell you something rather than so to respond, not react. Yep. 
And that, like that, that. that takes a lot of discipline and awareness to, okay, this is really upsetting me. So rather, let's, what's the most appropriate way to respond to help the situation? So, and that's a creative mindset, which is inside out. So rather than judge, acknowledge. You know, it's, I remember I took a, a business owner through this concept of creative reactive and it's a small team, four or five people. He rang me that afternoon. Paul, we're going to talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that triangle thing, which is, you know, the drama triangle versus the empowerment triangle, which is part of that, the, the framework. I stopped him, but, you know, took him through that triangle and she came in and was yelling at me. And, you know, and, and expecting me to react back and jump in the, the drama. Oh, that's terrible. So I just took a deep breath. I went, oh, that's awesome. He goes, what? I said, this is fantastic. He goes, what do you mean? So then I, I coached, challenged. I said, so is it true you've been avoiding a conversation with this staff member for about six months? Oh, maybe. I said, yes or no? He went, yeah, I guess so. so. I'll take that as a yes. So isn't this a wonderful opportunity? So rather than seeing it as a problem, seeing it as an opportunity. Um, and here's some questions. You can you know, sit down and have that comment. This is great. You're stepping up as a leader now. This is awesome. And those, those moments happen every day in a business. And unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of leaders react rather than respond. They tell, they don't ask enough questions. And the power is in asking the right questions and, and managing your energy. So you know, can't, there's a lot of power in being calm. So when you, you know, look at this particular client, let's, let's just have a look at what would 12 months look like, a 12 month engagement with you? Yeah, uh, so it would be working with him and probably his CEO firstly to, yep. to make sure they understand the concepts and they're really serious about them wanting to change. Because if they go, oh, we need to change, we need to work. It's not going to work if you don't change. Starts at the top. Starts at the top. And so, you know, I often say to people, I don't care what your values are. Your culture is demonstrated by you and your actions are your values. Say that again. Well, words, you can write up whatever words you want. At the end yep. of the day, every day, our actions are our values. Yep. Now, that's confronting. It's good. Yeah. It's something I'm conscious of going. Uh, and it was a reminder well, yesterday, so, my, my youngest son wanted a bit of business coaching, which was fascinating. <laughs> it was a great conversation. He said, Dad, I know you're busy. I said, Fraze, you know, I always have time for family. It's always, it's the most important thing in my life. And I always have time for you. Now, actions are your values. Yeah. So that's That's, that's, that's really, it is powerful because, you know, you can, a lot of organisations will just put up their mission statement on the wall and here are our values, but, yeah. yeah. We care about our people. Yeah. Really? You really care yeah. about them? Do you know anything about them? <laughs> you ever talk to them? You know, I, you know, often you'll hear leaders compl complain about the culture and they're not just challenging them going, well, do you understand, would it be fair to say you have a fair impact on the culture? I've really thought about oh, it. You're leading them down the path here. Yeah, and then I'll say, well, are the team clear on where we're heading and what the vision is and what you're trying to build? And they go, oh, I've never told them that. And are you clear on what sort of culture and values and purpose and you know, what's all that? And I said, do you ever connect and find out what's going on in their life? No. So, and then they start the, the penny, you know, they might do talk to two or three people in the business, but the rest have no idea. So therefore there's, there's no connection and engagement. And, uh, yeah, and leadership, you know, there's been lots of studies, you know, people are emotionally engaged in a business. The return on investment in business, I think it's four to 10 times that 
those that have staff rationally engaged. And the difference is rationally engaged, they like their job, they come to work, but their context is what's in it for me. Yep. If you want me to work extra, I'll get paid. Yep. And that's a reflection, not just of them, but the culture that they've created. People are emotionally engaged, their context is how can I help? And I, I just look at a hockey club, for instance. There's people who are emotionally engaged in the hockey club, and they'll be with people who sit on the committees, they coach, they... <laughs> Yep. There's people who are rationally engaged who are very quick to tell you what you're doing wrong, but... Turn up, bring, turn up. bring that kid there, drop them <laughs> drop off. Drop them off, they're out. They go get now, a coffee. Obviously, you need both. But if you had more emotionally engaged people, you're going to have a, a powerful powerful business and a powerful team. Um, and so, the same in families, by the way. Yeah, I get that. You don't have to ask. The kids will just turn up because they want to be there. Yeah, that's a great point for us all out there. Now... Let's go back to this client again. So we're going to do some work with the CEO and the client. Are we going to set out an agenda for the next 12 months? or Yes, I, I generally do a timetable. So I'll spend time with them probably first two months, helping them understand context content. The stages model is a great one. And then look at their leadership team and where are they. And, and that's a great understanding. So rather than judging these people, how can we help them and support them? Um, we did share think and feel and know, which is yes. a great um, communication framework. It's a really good one for advisors, and when I talk to advisors, they're leaders as well. I think it's a good one for my family, but let's run yeah, through this one. We did just do that, kids, when they were a lot younger. Um, so, and we did it really quickly. I didn't draw any notes, but just explain the three spaces we all utilise, and often we're more comfortable in one or two of those spaces, and there's no perfect profile or perfect leader um, but they're all important. So thinking is, is obviously our logical, uh, it's where we love data, process data. So you know, if a client, for instance, in a think space, they'll love spreadsheets and love content, and they'll probably be long meetings and I'll pick up spelling errors and, and uh, they need time to make a decision and have things to read before they make a decision. So I often use Warren Buffett as a good example. Someone very thinking, very logical. And, and that's that from a, the trust equation all ties in, that's, that's the credibility piece. So you gotta know what you're talking about. The next one is feel, which is around energy and connection. So clients or people in that space, they wanna know, they wanna connect, not about you as a person. They love color stories. Um, in fact, you know, I remember when our kids were young, our oldest son's very, very thinking and logical. He loved his school teacher and our daughter was struggling with his maths teacher. It's because he didn't tell stories and was entertaining. Yeah. So the message wasn't about the teachers, it's about you learning to accept that people are different to you and they've got different skill sets and strengths. And it was a great, you're going to work with people who are in different spaces. So it's learning to accept and not judge. So, so that's feel. And the third one is the knowing, which is the hardest one to explain, which is our gut. And it's not a feeling or emotion. Often when coach people get to know, it's a calm place where you go, oh, that's it. And it's generally always right. And, and when people are in a, a knowing space, they're often very direct and short and your communication is often sharp. sharp. And, um, and I often use emails. It can, it can come across as blunt. Yeah, emails, someone in a think space will be a you know, two-page dialogue and you go, if you're not in a think space, oh my God, what's all this about? Feel, it'll often, be in a space of feel, it'll often be... It's an Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey is a good example of someone who feel. Yeah. You get frustrated, you go, can you ask that hard question? <laughs> like, yeah. It's all about making them feel good. Um, so their emails can be often not as well structured and often have a lot of emotion in it. 
and may have a, an attachment. She's got no rel, picture of her dog. I thought you might like a picture of my dog. Change that because yep. I know you like your dog. Um, and knowing it could be one word or could be just no, no emails just in the title is the, is the answer. Yep. No. And then someone who feels space says, oh my God, what have I done wrong? Or someone who thinks, is that it? After all oh. what I've sent? You After my three spreadsheets. So when I explained that to that, that the leader, we asked him what space, and he was knowing and the second one was thinking. Yes. And then we talked about the CEO and the yep. CEO was think no. So you then go, okay, well, how would staff, what, what, what communication style are you going to get? Well, you're going to get a lot of data and a very direct communication. So the opportunity for them to, so as a leader, I, I use those three spaces to go, imagine if you utilised all three. So think credibility. As a leader, you've got to know what you're talking about. Same with the leader advisor, you've got to know what you're talking about with your clients. Feel is, do I connect with that person? Do they know that I care about them as a human being? And is there, they feel comfortable with me, am I approachable? So as a leader, that's important. And the third one is, is knowing, that's the courage. So do I have the courage to have those critical conversations? Yep. As a leader advisor, I have the courage to ask that question that I know may upset the client, but I'm doing it because I know I want to help them. And, and that's, so those three are really good, I think a framework and reminder as a leader. Oh, look, I think it was a great awareness for, the, for our client but he also could see where frustration can occur in his communication with his CEO and his staff. Absolutely. Or miscommunication can occur. Yeah, and someone in a field space, going in with a leader who's in a knowing space, they're going to be petrified. And particularly someone who's young and not feeling that confident, they're not going to ask questions. Um, they're probably going to hide mistakes, all those things. So it's, I often say it's not about being soft, it's not being weak, it, it's actually being courageous. and. And that vulnerability is a big part of leadership. Vulnerability is often seen, you know, a lot of males see vulnerability as being weak. Vulnerability is actually, as a strength, it means you actually admit when you make a mistake. I've worked with leaders who will never admit they've made a mistake, <laughs> which doesn't build trust. Uh, they'll ask for help if they need help. I haven't got the answer to this. So, so let's circle back to this client again, because I. For me, I feel like I'm adding tremendous value in, you know, you're part of my best of breed team. I've been able to bring my best of breed team in to help him uh, sort out the business side, governance side, uh, the legal side around wills and family constitutions. And now I'm, um, I've been able to bring in mergers and acquisitions guys to look at the value of the business, etc. And now I'm bringing you in, you know, from a, a leadership training, education, awareness, and then to build this thing called culture. And, you know, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? And people go, oh, we've got a good culture, or, yeah, we've got culture in our business, uh, but we're talking about culture on purpose here. Yeah, and, and cult, you know, every organisation, team and families have a culture. Culture is made up of rituals and, and the way we communicate with each other and expectations and values, if you have values, and you're clear on those. Um, but culture is often, you know, it's the way things are done around here. It's the way we treat each other. And I think, uh, you know, for me, I use the, the arrow, which Michael Henderson did at the conference yes. back in Hobart a few years ago now. I, I just reckon that's a great metaphor for a business. You know, the arrowhead's your strategy, which is positioning is a big part of that. You're clear on your service offering, 
your pricing and all those things. And the, the feathers are a great representation of culture. And the feathers, you know, elevate and stabilise the business through the good times and bad times and lift you up. So if you're feeling a bit down and you're a good culture, people would check in and, and help support you and lift you up a bit. Um, and and those, so those things that, that help with that are, you know, the way you treat people, the way you communicate, um, you know, actually connecting with people and understanding what drives them and treating people not as assets and resources, but human beings. <laughs> but uh, without them, you won't have a business. Well, we might have a, a, a poorly running business, but I think this con- I like this concept of, you know, understanding where the business is, where it's trying to get to. Now, what would be the culture you want to wrap around that to have the best chances of success, highest degree of probability? Yeah. And then that, that starts with, well, what is the communication framework? Well, sorry, what is that? Let's have a robust discussion around the culture yes. we want to create. Yes. What are our communication frameworks? How yeah. do we run meetings? Yeah, How do we where, stay connected? And, and it's, it's no one's fault. It, it's a, lot, a lot of us don't know what we don't know. We've never been taught this stuff. So it's learning, you know, think and feel unknown, being aware of not judging people who communicate differently to you. And, uh, and if you want to be a really good leader, to learn to adapt and, and change so that you can get out of your comfort zone a little bit and do things that, you know, rather than, well, this is the way I am, you know. So let's speak about comfort zones because, you know, we've, so I've, once again, I think I've, I had tremendous value as a lead advisor bringing someone like yourself in, but why don't advisors go to this level, do you think? Oh, look, I think it's not just advice. I think in a lot of professions, I work with a canning firm and they're getting better and better. It's taking a lot of coaching to get them to start having broader conversations. But for some advisors are moving from having just the investment conversation to talking about goals and some of the broader aspects has been a shift. So this is another shift to actually go beyond that. And a lot of these frameworks, they, and some, I know some people are using you know, the, the family charter and constitution and using stages model with succession. And so I'm having some great conversation with advisors starting to use these, but, but for a lot of them, it's that, that confidence and getting out of their own comfort zone a little bit. Um, I remember when I first started coaching, great advice from Moz was you just got to be a month ahead of the client because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was you know in my early 30s and I've got, got so much to learn well, you don't have to know it all at once you know just have enough to take them through it and then okay what do we do next month right and then, yeah so see it like that don't think you've got to know every framework intimately and the client doesn't know what they don't know either so yeah I'm sure you'll add value just by having a conversation using stages model Talk about yourself as an example or, or their business. It's just asking the questions. Yeah, I think uh, perfection gets in the road here. And I had a, a great uh, peer in Vince Fitzsimons from Deloitte who used to tell me, just get it 70% right. Yeah, perfection's an overrated. It holds people back, life short. So it's, um, you know, sometimes we say, just have a crack, get out there. And the best way to learn is, is experience and repetition. And that's sometimes, don't get it. 100%, but you learn from it, readjust and keep improving. Yeah, so I, I want to um, start to pull this together a bit into a bit of a summary. One of the, one of the things, before, we, before I do that, one of the things I've been talking to my clients about this year, Crony, is your, what's your word for the year and what's your rock for the year? Do you want to explain that concept? Yeah, look, uh, 
how we use it. Yeah, <laughs> this time last year, I think we yeah. we uh, I don't know how it started. Um, was what what what's going to make this year different to last year or something like that? We do something similar with another family, but it's often you know what, what you focus on, you create. So what you, you know, put your mind to and, and has a have as a context. So we we challenged and helped each other. It was a three hour exercise. With yes. Helping and challenge people to come up with one word that will make a difference and help you achieve what you want to achieve over the next 12 months. And if I reflect back on those, I think it worked for a lot of people. Yeah, so my, my, mine last year was curious uh, and the year before was joy. My word this year is, for, is enrichment. That's my, that's my word that I've landed on. Uh, for me, it's about enriching my life, my relationships with my wife and family, enrich my advisor community through the gaff and things like this mm. um, and so it's been good for me just to you know when I'm making decisions to go is this in, you know is this in line with my word yes what would you be yours for the year well it's, it, it's a, real, a weird word but legacy came into my head a conscious of leaving a legacy so yep. with clients um, I don't know if it's because I'm turning 60 this year whoa <laughs> it's, whoa uh, um, it's not a, it's it's actually Knowing I've got things I can, I can share and leave and help people with, um, and that's a really cool feeling. I think it prompted me with the conversation I had with Fraser, our youngest son, and um, I applied stages not only a little business he wants to create, but his acting career and how to, you know, it was a beautiful conversation around you know you're going to be in that first brick wall for a long time. Yeah. Um, good times will be when he's earning enough money to to see the you know acting and the career he wants to you know you, you, you may not have you know. You still may have to have another job and then pay it. So it was that legacy piece of knowing that conversation will, will be there for a long time. Isn't that, if you're an advisor out there, isn't this a great conversation you could have with your client? Clients, um, your, your, your network, your best of breed team, they're all great opportunities to keep practicing and honing these, these skills. That's how you learn quickly is yep. using these with um, practice, practice, practice. Practice and practice and getting out there. And hopefully these podcasts. Uh, are useful frameworks to leave a legacy and help people honing their skills and adding even more value to their clients. Thanks for that, Crony. So I have been in the background over the last 12 months. I've been videoing a lot of the work that you and Brian do. So I think we've got about 40 videos now and we will have a website to... to spend your weekend. I know. Sit down and watch, to, watch us uh, in action. Because a lot of advisors are asking me for how do we get more of this or how do I learn more? Where's the training on this? So it will be released soon, but uh, all the wisdoms accumulated by yourself and Brian and a few others. Yeah, no, look, and I'll, I'll throw the challenge out there. Don't, don't just listen and watch it. Um, grab one, one or two things and go and actually implement it. So, you know, we'll talk about the five layers of coaching, concept education. It's useless unless you go and implement it. So, and that's what you've been doing. And that, that, there's some good examples there of how you can use this with your clients. It's going to broaden your, your value proposition with your clients. That's going to be rewarding and, and rich work. And, and it's still that project management role, putting a, the board of advice together and using your, there's so many opportunities here, your best of breed team. And so let's exciting. just, that's fantastic. So let's just finish with that. So if you've heard this podcast and you're an advisor, think about this and go, well, where do I currently cap out? What are the conversations I'm having with my clients? How do I get broader depth? You bring new concepts to the table. What do I need to be aware about? What do I need to take on in terms of my own coaching? Yeah, think about who are the business clients that I've got that I may not have 
had conversations that maybe this podcast has prompted you to go and maybe ask some of those questions. Adding a lot, helping add a lot, a lot of value. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Paul Crane. Pleasure. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to the GAF podcast. We're all about empowering advisors. We think making great advisors is great for the community. Just to be clear, this is not personal advice. You need personal advice. Seek a qualified professional. Thanks for listening.